Pastor Xavier Reese and the ruler for measuring an effective ministry. The effectiveness of one's call to ministry is not measured by the size or success of one's ministry on how many people respond or don't respond. But listen, it's on the fact that you were sent. You understand? If we use numbers or anything else as a measure, then Noah was a flop. You know how he's successful? He was sent and he was faithful to his call. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When you hear someone say, if it works, don't fix it, they mean not only that whatever it is is working fine, but if you tamper with it, you're liable to cause damage. And so it is with the works of God, says Pastor Xavier. God is able to use us in His divine plan in spite of ourselves, but all along for His glory and not the glory of man. This is the simple truth we'll see demonstrated from the call to ministry on the life of Isaiah. Let's listen. Isaiah chapter 6, the message is entitled, Directed from Heaven. We want to look and examine Isaiah's call and examine the threefold way in which it came to him. Isaiah's call came by way of a vision of God, verse 1 through 4. Secondly, Isaiah's call came by way of a vision of transformation in verse 5 through 7. And then thirdly, Isaiah's call came by way of a vision of his commission in verse 9 through 13. Notice first, the vision is dated by the year that King Uzziah died, 740 B.C. Some put it 739, right in there. 2 Chronicles 26 gives you all this information about Uzziah. Good king. People loved him. He was great. During his reign, the Ammonites were brought under his tribute. His fame spread throughout the earth, even to the entrance of Egypt, and he became exceedingly strong, the chapter tells us. But when he was strong, it says, his heart was lifted up to his own destruction, for the transgress- he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering into the temple of God to burn incense on the altar of incense, 2 Chronicles 26, 16 tells us. God was using him. God was working through him. And he got to a place where he got too big for his own britches, thinking that he was sufficient because God had done so much. Leprosy struck him. He was as a dead man. And so King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death, and he dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. Listen, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. How tragic. His son Jotham reigned for him in his stead, and then when he died, he continued to reign. This is when it all took place, the year the king Uzziah died. Notice the vision is described in detail in the rest of verse 1 down to 4. In verse 1, he saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah was to see the king of kings. God was sitting. All was under control. Isaiah probably had his eyes on Uzziah also. Great king. Feel comfortable. Boy, he's good. He's dead. What do we do? God gives him a vision of himself. He's there. He's sitting. He's under control. Notice he saw seraphim. Verse 2. Seraphim are an order of angels with six wings. The seraphim declared that God was holy, holy, holy three times. 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. The seraphim declare that the entire earth is full of its glory. Chaos is breaking out. Isaiah is gone. What are we going to do? The glory of the Lord fills the earth. He's in control. The vision seen by the prophet of God and the angelic host here is interpreted for us by John. In his gospel, chapter 12, verse 41, he tells us that Isaiah saw Jesus. That's who he saw. Amazing commentary. <laughs> Notice, secondly, Isaiah's call came by way of a vision of transformation in verse 5 through 7. First, in verse 5, the vision convicted Isaiah of his sin. Isaiah saw his own unworthiness and sinfulness before God. Then I said, woe is me, for I am undone, literally destroyed or cut off. I've had it. I've got no hope. Isaiah saw himself as a sinner, as all of humanity. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. This is a recognition of being poor in spirit that Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5.3. The acknowledgement is the first of step of the Beatitudes, the very foundation of godly repentance. You recognize your bankruptcy before a holy God. There's the standard. Not you, not me, not anybody else, but holiness and perfection. Once you see that, then you see yourself who you really are. Notice secondly, verse 6 and 7. The vision consecrated Isaiah's life. Isaiah saw his need of heaven's help. This is so good. Notice verse 7, Isaiah saw himself made pure to stand before God. The message to Isaiah was that his iniquity was taken away, literally his sin of weakness, all his guilt, everything. First John 2, 2 says that he was the propitiation, the sacrifice that appeased the wrath of God, satisfied it, not only for our sins, but for the whole world. Notice 30 in verse 8, the vision of Isaiah tuned his ear to the voice of God. You see, first he had to see his wickedness. Then he had to see his need of heaven to help him and to purge his sin. And now his ear is tuned. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Without atoning of one's sins, we have no access to God. He's going to tell us in 59.1, God's hand's not short that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your sins have separated you from God. And he turns his back on you. He closes his eyes. Without atoning for one's sin, a person is deaf to the voice of God. Isaiah heard the conversation in heaven. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? The call was not directed to Isaiah. Do you notice that? The conversation between the Trinity and heaven. He's eavesdropping, but he's tuned his ear. God's chum in the waters. Isaiah wants to go fishing. Isaiah responded to the need by exercising his free will. Then I said, here am I, send me. I don't think Isaiah said, here am I, send me. No. God will never violate our will or force us to do anything against his will. Keep that in mind. God honors those who consciously and deliberately desire to serve God as he is working in and through their lives. The call of God on one's life or ministry can come in different ways. Isaiah's case is indirectly. It wasn't direct. His ear was being tested. He responded. 
wanted to be used. Jeremiah's call was very direct. He said, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Paul, very direct. I've made you a chosen vessel. I've chosen you. Charles G. Finney, a young lawyer, was sitting in a village law office in the state of New Jersey or New York. And Finney had just come into an old uh, squire's office. And he was very early in the day. And he was all alone when the Lord began to deal with him. God said, Finney, what are you going to do when you finish your course? Finney says, put out a shingle and practice law. Then what? Get rich. Then what? Retire. Then what? Die. Then what? And the words came trembling. The judgment. A half a mile away, all day he prayed. And he vowed that he would never leave until he had made peace with God. He saw himself at the judgment bar of God. For four years he had studied law, and now the vanity of his selfish life lived for the enjoyment of the things of the world were made very, very clear to him. Finney came out of that woods that evening, and after a long struggle with the high purpose of living, therefore, to the glory of God, and enjoy him forever. From the moment blessing began to flow and to fill his life, and God used him in a mighty way, not as a lawyer, but as a preacher, to bring thousands of conversions over a useful period of 50 years. See, God makes a difference. And God doesn't force anybody. The person who is going to be used by God is going to be an extension of God's heart of love and compassion with a broken heart as one who has seen his own depravity and convinced of it. The service that pleases God is that of an honorable vessel. Therefore, Paul says, 2 Timothy 2.21, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. It is a choice. God begins the work by purging our sin, and then we choose to yield to be used of God. The call of God may be direct or indirect, but never forced. It must be responded to by choice. Paul said, Lord, what do you want me to do? In Acts 9, 6, right there in the Damascus Road. Isaiah's call came by way of a vision of transformation. He was changed. Have you been changed since you've seen God? Notice thirdly, Isaiah's call came by way of a vision of his commission. Verse 9 through 13. First of all, in verse 9, Isaiah was sent by God to speak to a spiritually callous people. And he said, go and tell the people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. God is declaring the spiritual condition of his people, not that he was calling to make them so. When you first read this, it's not clear in the English, but in the Hebrew it is. Isaiah was being sent to a spiritually deaf and intellectual, dull-minded people. Their hearing was impaired to the things of God. Their seeing was impaired to the things of God. And their mind was being impaired to the things of God. All three different levels. Ear, eye, mind. Very clear. 
The people were the people of God who had the great privilege of knowing God, being the people of God, and yet they had become indifferent and worldly. This is a great sin in the church today. I used to think that the wilderness journey was the exception. After 27 years walking with God, I have learned and am persuaded that the wilderness journey is repeated every generation. It's the rule. Very few enter. Caleb and Joshua entered. The rest died. I don't think it's any different for every generation of his church. I think it's the rule. Notice secondly in verse 10. Isaiah was told by God the outcome of his ministry. The prophecy can be misunderstood if not as if God was the one doing the deafening, blinding, and the lacking of, of the lack of perception. But that would make God unjust. Listen to what he says. Make the heart of the people dull and their ears heavy. Shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return to be healed. So at first, it seems like God is the one that's doing this, but that would make him unjust, as I said. The Lord, the Holy One of Israel, is declaring to Isaiah that although he knew that the people would not have an open heart and mind, he would still send a prophet to them. This is, a, is an epitaph of the faithfulness of God. Where the scriptures say, all day long I have sent my prophets. Jesus wept over Jerusalem in Matthew 23. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks on their wing, but you stoned the prophets, you killed the prophets. You would not. So now I leave unto you desolate, and you shall not see me henceforth. You say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is God's favor. God knows that you won't respond, and he's still going to send people to preach to you. He's still going to have the word come. The proclamation of God's word would, in effect, create the greater deafness, the greater blindness, the greater dullness of perception, the greater hardness of heart by the rejection of the word they heard. You remember Pharaoh? It says Pharaoh hardened his heart, a Hebrew word that means to strengthen it, to make it hard. And then it says, and God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. The word means to strengthen it. Every time you hear the word of God and you reject it, God says, I honor your choice. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to affirm you in that decision so it gets harder next time to hear the voice of God, to believe it. He honors you. You don't want to walk with God? God says, okay. I'll back you up on your decision. So a person who's hearing the word of God over and over again and keeps rejecting it, he gets deafer, blinder, Dumber, spiritually speaking. Because God's word accomplishes what it purposes, Isaiah says. He's going to tell us in chapter 55. The word of God cuts you to the heart and changes you or condemns you for not believing. One of the two. It never fails. This was the result of what happens to every person who is exposed to the word of God. Here's the word of God and becomes compromising or indifferent to the word of God. They have no ability to hear anymore, to see anymore, or to understand because of their disobedience. In fact, Matthew tells us that these two verses, 9 and 10, by the words of Jesus said, this was fulfilling his ministry to the people of Israel. As he spoke, they hardened their heart. And he quotes it in fulfillment. You find that in Matthew 13, 14, and 15. And then John 12, 39, and 40 tells us 
simply that it identifies these two verses as the ministry of Jesus in fulfillment to Israel. Now notice thirdly here, verse 11 and 12. Isaiah was to carry out his ministry till the nation went into captivity. Isaiah asked, how long? God answers directly and describes the devastation in three ways. Verse 11, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitants, until the houses are without a man, until the land is utterly desolate. Remember, in chapters 2, 3, and 4, these people were just taking over the land, be beautiful houses. He said, I'm going to make them desolate. Here it is again. This took place when Sennacherib destroyed all the wall cities of Judah, and he took over 200,000 people captive. 2 Kings 18, 13 tells you that. The people and the land are tied together. If you know one thing, when you read the Old Testament, the people and the land go together. You can't separate them. Now, God took them out of the land, put them in captivity, but he brought them back. God dispersed them to the world, but he's brought them back again. That should settle who does the land belong to. The land belongs to the Jews, not to the Arabs. The land and the people go together. God has only removed them to chastise them at different periods of time. You see, the Lord will be the one to do this. And for this reason, he declares it before it happens. So when it happened, they would know it was God, verse 12. And God will tell you that things are going to happen before they happen. So when you disobey and they happen, you know it's God. No one has ever sinned but what God has warned them over and over and over and over again. No man has ended up in bed with a woman or a woman with a man. Before God has checked, 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 checked. God is faithful. We are unfaithful. He would remove them far away. The northern kingdom of Assyria would come. Babylon would come. 722. Only about 18 years. Northern kingdom would go into captivity. The first captivity of Jerusalem would be in uh, 505, 506, and uh, 496, and then 486 is the last one. A 20-year ordeal. Notice, fourthly, verse 13. Isaiah was to declare that there would be a remnant to return. A tenth would return to the land. The mental picture is provided here by the metaphor of the stump of a tree that has been cut down. The holy seed is identified to be the stump or the tenth part of the nation. Sennacherib did not destroy Jerusalem. The message of Isaiah was not a hopeless one, but one of hope to those, listen, who would hear and obey. The world looks at the gospel and says, oh, you got doomsday prophet. No, no, no. I offer you the greatest hope in the world, the soon return of Jesus Christ. And that your sin can be forgiven. That is a hopeful message. Isaiah's message was that of hope. A tenth will return, those who obey, those who yield to God. Isaiah himself lived to an old age to fulfill his faithful ministry. He prophesied over 60 years. He became a martyr at the hands of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah. He was sawed in two with a wooden saw. How would you like to exit that way from here? Hebrews 11 tells us that. Tradition tells us it was Manasseh. Livingston planned to go to China, but God led him to Africa to be the missionary statesman and general and explorer. 
Alexander McKay prepared to work in Madagascar. He was directed to Uganda to aid in, in, in founding one of the most remarkable missions in the world. William Carey proposed to go to South Seas, but he was guided divinely to India to give them the Bible in their own native tongue in its teeming millions. William Carey University, just to the north of us, an old cobbler, shoe cobbler. The effectiveness of one's call to ministry is not measured by the size or success of one's ministry on how many people respond or don't respond. But listen, it's on the fact that you were sent. You understand? If we use numbers or anything else as a measure, then Noah was a flop. No converts. How long did he preach? 120 stinking years. You know how he's successful? He was sent and he was faithful to his call. Whoa. Should we look for people to come to Christ? Sure we do. But don't be deceived about numbers. Paul declares this to Archippus in Colossians 4, 17. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received of the Lord, that you fulfill it. What ministry has God called you to? Is it the nursery? Is it picking up cigarette butts in the parking lot? Scrubbing the toilets? Passing out flyers? Then do it faithfully and do it without grumbling, complaining, and do it to the very end. Very important. The effectiveness of one's call and sending will always be related to the anointing to proclaim the word of God according to the gift of God. So you must know your call. You must know your sent. But you must know your anointing and the gifts. I only do what my gifts call me to do. This hand has never spoken. It only knows how to grab. You know what? It's very effective. It's not worried what the foot's doing. Paul declares of his own sending by virtue of the fact that God enabled him, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me, counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry, 1 Timothy 1.12. If you know you are called, sent, stick to your gifts, and you will fulfill your ministry regardless of the difficulty. Don't try to be anyone else. But you got to know your gift. you got to go to God. If you know your call, you won't worry about other people stealing your ministry. John said this, a man can receive nothing except it's given to him of God. In chapter 3 of John. That's so good. What is it that God has called you to do? And so Isaiah, his call through this vision applies to each of us. Now, he hasn't called you to be a prophet, but he's called you to serve him. Isaiah's call came by way of a vision of God. You, each believer, should have a good eyeful of God, not man, to know you're called to do something. Isaiah's call came by way of a vision of transformation. Each believer should be experiencing ongoing transformation as you're serving. Demand it of yourself. Isaiah's call came by way of a vision of his commission. Each believer should know his commission for the body of the church. What is your commission here? If not here, wherever God sent you, what is it? Don't ask me. Go to God. And then do it. And if you're a little toe stuck in the dark, do it. If you're near, listen. If you're no smell, but don't be telling the mouth how to talk. You know nothing about talking. Do it. And do it with all your mind and with all the ability that God gives to you. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, using the call to ministry of the prophet Isaiah as a means for us to first recognize and then serve the kingdom with our own individual gifts. Now, if this is an area of your spiritual walk that might need some fine-tuning, why not ask for your own copy of today's message for some further personal study? It's called Directive from Heaven, and will include not only what was shared last time, but all the material that our limited broadcast time won't allow us to include. That title, once again, is Directive from Heaven, and is available on CD for just $4 upon request. Now, ask for your copy by writing... Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is another tool we use to track the impact of this outreach in your area. We've been learning of the call to ministry by one of God's finest, the prophet Isaiah. Next time, it's Isaiah who will be alerting us of the coming king. Hope you'll join Pastor Xavier Reese for more Simple Truths next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com